What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode five of the Rod and Real podcast. I'm Rod Beard, Pistons beat writer for the Detroit News. I've got a jam-packed show planned for you today. Obviously, the hot news this week is Andre Drummond's trade rumors. Get into that a little bit. The comments from Pistons team owner Tom Gorris on the direction of the franchise, and that's taking a little bit of a left turn from where it was earlier in the season to begin the season that he thought this was going to be a playoff year. Also got some thoughts on the younger players and the role that they could play in the remainder of the season and whether this is really a teardown where you go all the way down to the studs or this is just a cosmetic makeover and how this Pistons roster can be structured for the rest of this season and moving into the next couple of years. Plenty of thoughts on that stuff. We'll talk about Sekou Dumboya's debut against the Clippers, and which was a surprising start, but some thoughts on what his performance looked like and how he can fit in the long-term future of what the Pistons have planned. But I want to jump right in and start with the Andre Drummond news, and that came down on Friday that Pistons have been involved in some trade discussions with several teams most notably the Atlanta Hawks, in trying to move Drummond. This is nothing different than what we've seen in the past few years with Drummond. Every year around the trade deadline, his name continues to be brought up as a potential piece that could move. This year has a a specific different feel to it, though, because of the situation. And you have to understand where things are. Drummond has one more year on his contract, and that's a player option for next year for $28.8 million. The difference this year, though, is that there seem to be teams that are interested in Drummond's services, and the Hawks seem to be the most interested of those teams. They've gotten into what I'm hearing are deeper discussions with the Pistons, and it it seems like what the Pistons want to get out of this and what the Hawks are willing to offer would be an expiring contract, possibly a draft pick, and probably another player and there could be some other Pistons players some other Hawks players involved this could be a three-team deal by the time it's all said and done if there are other teams that want to get in the mix and make something happen but where this looks to be going is Chandler Parsons 25 million dollar contract and the reason that it would be Parsons over some of the other guys that they have is because Parsons has a relationship with Blake Griffin that would seem to be the best fit, and the contracts are very similar. Drummond's $27 million and Parsons $25 million. Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN reported that the Hawks would also be throwing in a 2020 protected first-round pick, and that could be the pick that Brooklyn currently has, uh, and that would be a good asset to go along with it. And there could be other players involved. It could be a young rotation player. I know some fans on Twitter are, are wishing for Cam Reddish or – Uh, any of the other guys on the Hawks roster. I don't think that's going to be in the cards, but that's something that, hey, you can ask for. You can ask for whatever you want. When you look at Drummond's status in the league, you're trading an all-star, and what are you getting in return for that? If you say you're going to get cap relief for next year, a first-round pick, and maybe another rotation player or a player who could develop into something, I think that's about all you can expect at this point. Because, again, the Pistons are in a tough spot. They're not winning themselves. This doesn't look like a a situation where they're going to be heading to the playoffs. So it's not necessarily a fire sale where they're trying to give away everything, and I don't think they're in a position to be able to do that because of injuries, because of performance, because of production, a lot of things that are impacting the Pistons' 
trade position and what they're able to do right now. They're not in a position of strength, and so they're just going to have to get what they can out of some of these deals. And I've got confidence that the front office should be able to get a good return. When you look at what they've done last year at the trade deadline in trading Reggie Bullock and Stanley Johnson and getting uh, Svima Hailuk, Thon Maker, some draft picks out of it too, I think they've done well. Even the trade for Tony Snell to get John Lewis' contract off the books, they've either won trades or done pretty well in trades, either way you want to look at it. I don't think they've made a bad deal so far. So ahead of this trade deadline, I would have confidence that they could do something similar and not jeopardize the financial future of where the Pistons are going heading into the summer. So with Drummond, his eighth season now, career-high numbers in terms of scoring, over 17 points a game, about 15 rebounds a game, about two steals and about two blocks. That's a guy that they would want to keep if they can do it at a smaller price. But if you read the tea leaves on it, he's sort of inferred that he's going to test free agency. And if you get out there, are you the are you willing to bid with other teams and the price goes up on what Drummond has in his $28.8 million? I think I said on the last podcast that if I were Drummond, I'd opt in for that. And not seeing that there would be a better market for it outside of the Pistons, that sure, you can opt in for one more and see what the market looks like after that. The the other side of that is that you may not want to gamble. If he gets a longer-term injury, that he'd be passing up secure money. If he gets four years and $100 million, then the difference between that and the $29 million for next year isn't that big a deal. So reading the market, reading what he thinks he can get would really determine whether he would opt in or opt out of the deal for next year. But Atlanta seems to think that there's some value in that, and if they're willing to give up some assets to do it, more power to them in trying to do that. Beyond the Hawks, Vincent Goodwill, former Pistons beat writer, now working for Yahoo Sports, says that the Mavericks, the Raptors, and the Celtics are also in the mix and are at least interested, have reached out and shown some interest, engaged what the asking price would be for Drummond. Now, I've talked about the Hawks already. I'll talk about these other three teams and what that looks like. For me, Toronto is intriguing, and it works if the Pistons can get somehow get Kyle Lowry or figure out a way to get Fred Van Vliet out of this. Lowry extended with the Raptors last year, and Fred Van Vliet seems to be their heir apparent at the point guard spot. Lowry making $31 million for next year, and the Pistons, when you look at it, are going to need a point guard any way that it goes. And if they're losing Drummond in a trade, they're probably going to need a center to come back because they're really thin in their front court, especially given the injuries to Blake Griffin, the, the issue with Marquise Morris. They've kind of been rolling with Christian Wood, Thon Maker, and Drummond. So if you take Drummond out of that mix, you're going to need another center somehow, some way, unless they're pulling a guy up from the Grand Rapids Drive, which seems unlikely at this point, but you never know. But looking at the Raptors, that seems intriguing because they can maybe get Mark Gasol or Serge Ibaka, who also have expiring contracts. Uh, but if you could get something bigger, you get expiring contract and, and 
again, maybe work in a third team and you can get Lowry or Van Vliet. That would be a dream scenario for the Pistons in trying to fix two birds with one stone. You get a big man this year. You get a point guard for next year when Reggie Jackson's contract expires. So Toronto could work. I don't think they have the draft picks that the Pistons would want or would be willing to throw them in. But again, everything could be on the table. Boston has the assets. They have the draft capital. What you would try to get from them maybe would be a Marcus Smart or other picks or other things out of that. Wouldn't necessarily be a big man coming back, but it helps Boston get ready for a playoff run, gives them a solid centerpiece. They lost Al Horford in the offseason, but going along with all of the nice wing pieces that they have, if you add Drummond and make them a better rebounding team, I can see where that could work for the Celtics. The one that seems to be the best fit for me would be the Mavericks, and I think I mentioned that on the last podcast too, is that Drummond fitting in with Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis seems to be ideal in every way. Porzingis can stay out on the perimeter a little bit more. Drummond can be that inside guy. And I think for Drummond, this is the best fit because it makes him the third option where he really can focus on just the rebounding, just setting screens. Those guys, because they're going to get double teamed, are going to create better opportunities for him. Doncic in the pick and roll with Drummond would be scary, scary, scary stuff. And Dallas already doing well in the first part of the season in the Western Conference. This would put them in the same discussion with the Lakers, with the Clippers, with the some of the other teams, the Jazz that are up there, that they would have a prominent, prominent front court and a nice point guard to build things around. So Dallas seems to be the fit. Uh, but the assets and the expiring contracts, again, would be the goal for the Pistons. And can they get a Dwight Powell? If they can do that, I think that makes absolutely the most sense. And no, they're not going to get Boban out of this deal and bring Boban back uh, in the fold. But that would be one of the better targets. And it fits for Drummond. It fits for the Mavericks and their playoff hopes. And I think it just makes sense all around. But again, what are they willing to give up? And for each of these teams, the question is going to be, what are they willing to give up? And the Pistons not being in a point of negotiating strength may just have to take whatever the team is offering and and what seems reasonable to them. But again, I think expiring contract, draft pick, and maybe another player who could be a rotation guy or maybe another pick if you get a second rounder out of it. I think that's what makes sense for both teams and both sides in any potential deal. So I I would expect that deal to be coming down if the discussions are going on now. I would expect the deal to be done in the next week or two. Uh, And I I don't know why teams would wait at this point. Again, unless you're hashing out some of the finer details or you just want to see what happens in the next couple of weeks or what other trades might be going on, that might be the only reason for a delay. Atlanta has the worst record in the league. So them making the deal isn't about playoffs this year as much as it would be just trying to give Drummond some runway to try to see what the system is like and get ingratiated with the Atlanta uh, city and the culture and everything there. But if they're going to build and they think that that is the piece that they want to build around, then John Collins, Andre Drummond, Trey Young is a nice nucleus for them 
to start to build things around. So Atlanta, I think, makes a lot of sense because, again, that's that seems to be the team that's negotiating the hardest and might be furthest along. But Dallas makes sense. Boston, Toronto, all of those make sense. I just don't know how likely they're going to be, and it may come down to what those teams are willing to give up. The other day in Los Angeles, we got uh, Tom Gorris at halftime, and he talked for about five or six minutes, answered a bunch of questions about the direction of the team and if they're willing to maybe pivot and look at rebuilding this roster because maybe they've gotten as far as they can go with this particular iteration of the Pistons. The injuries to Blake Griffin, Luke Kennard has been out uh, for a bit now. Reggie Jackson has only played in the first two games. Those are three starters that have missed each, we're going to say half the season. Kennard is somewhere around 10 games or so, but at least half the season. So all of the best laid plans that the Pistons had were hinged on all of those guys being healthy. And that may be the flaw in the logic in the construction of this team is that they were counting on guys who were very often injured to be healthy. Maybe the hard part of this is that all of those guys are injured all at the same time. And so you're not going to have the depth and production to be able to make up for that. And again, this bench was supposed to be one of the better ones in the league, but now you've got a lot of these reserve players moving up and playing in starting roles, and that just doesn't suit a lot of them well. Svima Luke is not a starting caliber guy. Bruce Brown can start, but he's not a starting point guard. And so you're seeing how a lot of that is manifesting itself. The Pistons having lost 9 of 11 and three straight games and heading into Golden State, this looked like a gimme a couple of weeks ago that Golden State has the, the worst record in the Western Conference, that the Pistons should be able to come in here and get a win. That's just not the case anymore. That's not one that you can look at and say they're absolutely going to win this. Even though the Pistons played well in that first half against the Clippers, the third quarter has been their undoing in so many games this year. But Tom Gorris had some good answers for what those questions were about what the long-term future is going to be. He said they are going to look at, in the next couple of weeks, moving some of these guys, restructuring this roster, making them a little bit more competitive in the future, not necessarily worrying about now. And that was the mandate going into this season, was that they would be a playoff team and try to show some improvement over last year. And at 12-23, and 23, that's all but out the window. That is just not going to happen and they've got to move in a different direction. Trading Drummond is going to be the first piece of that if that's what they decide to do. And they can look at some other things. I don't think you can move Blake Griffin. It just seems very untenable. Obviously, the contract is going to be hard to move. His production has been way, way down. He's averaging career lows in a lot of categories this year. And if he's not healthy, another team's not going to jump at the opportunity to pay him a max contract. So the Pistons may just have to hold tight with Blake Griffin. And I would think they would consider, and this is what I asked Tom Corris, if have they considered shutting him down for the year and just trying to get him ready for next year and seeing if that knee is any better, if he can be healthy and get back to anywhere close to, to where he was last year when he was an All-NBA player. Gore said that's not what they thought about, but they will look in the next couple of weeks and see which direction they want to go. And again, if they're not moving toward the playoffs, 
there's no reason to play Griffin and potentially make that injury any worse. They can just sit him and let him start rehabbing now and play some of the young players uh, just like they did against the Clippers where Sekou Dumbuya got his first start. So Griffin doesn't look like he's going anywhere. We've talked about Drummond already. And ahead of the February 6th trade deadline, Reggie Jackson did have some value with that $18 million deal. I just don't think a team is going to want to come off of an asset to take on that money when the Pistons are going to just – when he hasn't played this year, he isn't healthy right now, and the Pistons are just may just have to chew that one up and uh, let that contract expire too. The one thing – that I think is working in their favor is Langston Galloway and the way that he's playing. There were some whispers that he could get a first-round draft pick in a trade in return. Maybe that's a, a late first or an early second-round pick, depending on the team and what their position is. But I would say you, you just try to get what you can. And, and I said before, too, I think Langston Galloway is a guy that you can – bring back and he can be a very good pro in the locker room and a very good guy for a reasonable size contract and what reasonable is is going to vary from person to person would you pay him eight to ten million dollars maybe maybe not i mean he's making seven million now is he worth a little bit more than that on the open market and free agency well maybe and that's what the pistons are going to have to contend with is what the market's going to look like and what's the max that they're willing to pay for that. So those are your trade targets for the most part. There might be other guys that other teams are poking around for, but those seem to be the main ones that would have some value for the Pistons. And Gorse, again, talking about Drummond, said that Drummond's going to have to make a decision. And for all the people who have said that Drummond and Gorse have this tight relationship and he's not willing to trade Drummond at all. This is an indication that Goris understands the business aspect of it and that he has to reap the most that he can from those assets. And if Drummond is deciding to leave and he's going to opt out after this year, you can't let him walk for nothing. This is sort of the same thing that happened with Greg Monroe in his final year, that they just let him walk out the door and he didn't get any type of return for it. And I think the Pistons may have learned from that and they're moving to try to get something for some of these guys before they go out. So the same may be true for Galloway, the same may be true for Jackson. But again, what are teams willing to give you for those pieces? I mentioned Sekou Dumboya's debut as a starter, and it just came out of the blue. And obviously some of it is precipitated by injuries, and some of it is just, you know what, let's just see what the young guy has. And Dwayne Casey alluded to that too. Uh, and he played well given the circumstances. Imagine your first start, you find out and shoot around that you're, you're going to start, and then you look at the matchups and you see Kawhi Leonard is on the other side, and that's who you've got to guard, and that's who you have guarding you. Not going not gonna to be a good day for you, but Dumbuya had 10 points, 11 rebounds, and that's rare for a Pistons rookie in his first start to post a double-double. I think the only others were Grant Hill, Theo Ratliff, and Henry Ellenson. So you can bark about <laughs> the, uh, the last two, but Grant Hill puts you in good company no matter what you've done. But Dumbuya looked very comfortable at times uh, on the defensive end, in guarding Leonard, in 
what impressed me the most was his ability to hit the boards. Those 11 rebounds, I think six of them were in that first quarter. If you're looking at areas he needs to improve, it was foul trouble. And that's going to happen with a team like the Clippers that have a dynamic player like a Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or a Montrez Harrell. You're going to find yourself in positions where you just end up fouling and you didn't even mean to. You didn't know that you were going to have to. And I think that's where Dumbuya was. But I don't think the game moved too fast for him. And I think he'll be able to adjust. What Dwayne Casey said in assessing Dumbuya's performance was that there were rookie mistakes, but there were some things that he was happy with too. And the speed of the game, the everything else will catch up. But that's just where you are when you're trying to rebuild and, and you're trying to see what a young guy has is you can't make snap judgments after one game. You've got to give him an opportunity to fit into that situation and adjust to it. And we've seen Dumboya in the G League that he's been able to do that. So I don't think it's going to happen as quickly in the NBA, but you can see that his offensive ability, his smoothness started to snap into place a little bit. And that foul trouble was the one thing that got him in trouble and kept him off the court from playing a little bit more. But 27 minutes, not so bad. The numbers are good. And from the eye test, sure, it, it looked like he is going to figure it out at some point. So it was just good to see that the Pistons are giving him that opportunity to be able to do that. And it's a bigger thing of just playing the young guys. Let Bruce Brown get out there. Svi Mihailuk has been starting the past few games. If Sekou's going to do it, let him play. Lewis King, same sort of way, a two-way player. And just see what you've got in some of these young guys. And Christian Wood is, if Drummond goes and they don't get a center back, Christian Wood may be the starting center, much to the enjoyment of a lot of Pistons fans on Twitter. And Christian Wood is going to be another interesting case. And he's an unrestricted free agent after this season, making the, the league minimum. His second half of his uh, non-guaranteed contract kicks in on January 10th. So it'll be, I would say there's no way that he doesn't make that, that he gets cut somehow uh, before then. So he'll make that extra 700000 plus. But what do they do with him long term? And I think that's an intriguing question as we finish out the uh, podcast is what do you do with Christian Wood? Because on the open market, a big man, a stretch five guy, and he has shown that three point shooting ability, a stretch five can be a $10 million guy, a uh, $12 million guy with the energy and the ability that he has in finishing around the rim and rim protecting. It's just been consistency and that's what Dwayne Casey has said all year that he wanted to see from Christian Wood. And now with Drummond potentially leaving, that could open up a big spot for the Pistons to be able to have playing time for him. But is the fit going to be there long term? So that's something that I would watch and, and see is how much playing time Christian Wood gets. How does he fit into that playing time? Does he excel in that? And that may determine whether the Pistons are able to um, make a decent enough offer to try to bring him back and what the rest of the market is going to look like. So just wanted to get something out, quick podcast with the Drummond news and the Goris comments and news on maybe what the new direction of the Pistons would be. You can check out all the coverage online at DetroitNews.com. I'm Rod Beard. We'll see you next time.